guys, thanks for tuning in to episode nine of Justified Pursuit. Cable Smith here along with Chisholm Cook. And today we're going to get into some of these draconian uh, COVID-19 laws that have been put in place by uh, various governors, mayors. There's a trend here that I think is uh, apparent, which which we'll dissect. Uh, But before we dive into that, uh, Chisholm, I know you wanted to add uh, just a little bit of thought onto last week's conversation um, regarding the First Amendment and specifically something crazy going on with the Portland Trailblazers uh, NBA basketball team. I'll let you take it from here, brother. Okay, thanks, man. Um, I'd say this is episode nine redo. Yeah, redux. (laughs) Yeah, because we had a a real uh, smoke show on Friday, I feel like, and recapping the VP debate and talking about these issues. No, the, just, not the VP. I'm sorry, the president. Yeah, right, yeah. the presidential debate. And um, uh-huh. thanks to Zoom, it's gone. So screw you, Zoom. Right. We would uh, wish we could have gotten that to everybody. Um, oh, we had some hot takes on that one. So. Yeah, I think it was solid, and you know, we'd we'd redo it. Except now it's it's you know, it'll be a week old by the time this gets out, and I think yeah, everybody's kind of moved on. So mm-hmm. anyway, but um, yeah. So the last episode that people had heard, <laughs> we talked about uh, the role of the judiciary in the American legal system, uh, and you know, its need to be independent and uh, and basically text based and and not be uh, a source of activism, right? And and I right. we we talked some about um, judicial the, activism. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, and the social justice angle uh, that you often get from judicial activism. And um, what, I, what I really left out, and it should have been like priority number one, really, was this attack on freedom of speech, which is intertwined and in a part of the social justice movement, right? I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. talking about justice. I'm talking about SJWs, right? Social justice warriors that they're after something other than justice. Uh, that's a whole diatribe for another time. But you know, one of the things they want to be able to do is restrict people from saying things that offend others. And I think you made the point in the the lost episode nine yeah. that um, nobody has the right to not be offended. And, and exactly. that's all right. That's all there is to that. That's the whole Thank purpose. Thank you, Corey Morrow, for those words. Why that's right. Why is a red dirt country uh, singer? The, right. um, the, the whole reason that we're doing this podcast is that we refuse to be told we're not allowed to think out loud. Um you know, that means sometimes as we've covered extensively, we'll make mistakes. Sometimes we'll say things and realize later on, we sort of changed our mind on it. And that's cool. That's fine. That's called freedom of speech. Right. And, uh, and sometimes we'll th- say things that we believe sincerely and that many, many others in America believe sincerely. And a lot of folks don't, and they call it quote unquote, maybe hate speech. And that's, that's nonsense. So getting back to the judiciary, you know, Anthony Kennedy, Justice Anthony Kennedy stepped down a couple of years ago. Um, when he he chose to step down down during the Trump presidency because Trump had put out a list of judges uh, during the last election cycle who had been hand selected by a group called the Federalist Society, they review judges all across America for their adherence to uh, textualist, um, you know, Antonin Scalia style style interpretation of the law. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so if, if, if a judge passes their muster, then, then you, you've got a judge who's going to look to the law and only the law and, and not going to bring personal feelings or, or some personal agenda into their decision making process and deliberations. And so Anthony Kennedy saw that list, saw the appointment of Neil Gorsuch, 
uh, for, right off the bat and said, this guy will replace me with someone who will uphold. His biggest concern was an attack on freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why, you know, he basically hand select, selected uh, Justice Kavanaugh, who worked as a clerk under him. Uh, even Ruth Bader Ginsburg had written and spoken on the concerning rise she sees from the left in attacking freedom of speech. So, um, oh boy, and we've seen it, uh, you know, all over the news. Well, only one news outlet's reporting on the Hunter Biden scandal, but the New York Post is typically, I would consider, a left-leaning publication. They got kiboshed by Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for the uh, for the article they put out on the uh, the laptop situation which is just mind-blowing that they're going to censor a news publication who, uh, you know, that was actually journalism. I'll give them credit for that. And, and you, you and I talked about this off the air, but, I mean, they, they catch it, and then they just refuse to deliver it to people. Um, you couldn't share it. You couldn't retweet it. And uh, it, was, it was truly eye-opening. I hope Americans took notice of that. And I heard that you couldn't even send it as a DM to somebody. Yeah. Like you couldn't even forward it as a direct message to another user. Like they blocked it entirely. And, and to your point, then I learned over the course of last week that the New York post is the oldest newspaper in America. It was Mm. founded by Alexander Hamilton. It's the fourth to this day, the fourth largest. He died an honorable death. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we should bring duels back. I don't know. Anyway, sorry to derail you there. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, man. That's, that's the yin and yang of our show, man. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, but uh, it just, you know, it's been around forever. And it's, again, it's still the fourth largest print uh, paper by circulation in America. And going on two weeks now, Twitter has still got their account blocked. Their whole account. The New York Post cannot publish to Twitter right now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's gross. It's, um, frankly, I think it's going to seal the deal for Trump. Uh, we've got a week to go to uh, see if that prediction comes true, but um, it's you know they, they, <laughs> as hard as they may be trying, they, they haven't kept a lid on that. And you know, I heard Dan Bongino earlier today saying how watch the media narrative is, is evolving as we speak. They went from uh, unfounded, um, you know, unverified uh, or independent fact checkers determined right. this wasn't independent fact checkers that are on your payroll. They're not independent. What a, that's the biggest uh, crock of shit I've ever heard. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and so they were claiming there was no evidence to these allegations, just despite the laptop, right? Which right. They, they just said was, you know, that, that, that really Rudy went, Rudy Giuliani, I guess, went to Home Depot, bought him, or to Office. Where the hell would you go for that? Office Depot. Amazon is where you would go for Amazon. That. Office. Yeah. It's a, Best Buy was what I was trying to say, but nobody goes to Best Buy anymore. Anyway, and bought a laptop and just, you know, had somebody photoshop a bunch of pictures of hunter biden biden smoking crack man the reality is and i looked this up i'll make sure to post it in the show notes show notes but in july of 2019 a year ago the new yorker i mean undoubtedly a liberal rag of a magazine right right published a long-form expose about hunter biden and what he could potentially do to to uh joe biden's campaign this is the left was trying to take Joe down with this stuff before the right was Mm. like they they were already all over it. And now they're pretending like it's not a thing. So yeah, anyway, I mean, but so there's freedom of speech at that level. And then there's the freedom of speech that you and I have. Right. And, and again, I, you know, I refuse to be told I'm not allowed to hold certain views or put them out 
you know, say them out loud. So mm -hmm. that's another thing that the judiciary is crucial for, you know, chipping away. We talked about it in the Second Amendment context, but you know, chipping away at our freedom of speech in the name of social justice activism is exactly the kind of thing that you would get um, from a leftist judge like Justice Sotomayor or Kagan. And um, you know, it's the opposite of what you get from a Justice Clarence Thomas, a Justice Alito, a Justice Scalia, a Justice Coney Barrett. So, right. Um, then the other thing we were going to touch on that you King mentioned. James. Yeah. So I got some, some really good feedback from a really good friend of mine about our discussion of the NBA ratings situation. And um, he had a few points. The, the one that I definitely feel compelled to, to really address here was that we gave, he felt like we really gave LeBron short shrift on the good work that he does. And he's mm -hmm. right. LeBron for 20 years now has been taking giant piles of money and reinvesting it in his hometown in Akron building schools in different places in the country where he's played. Um, he does a lot of, of phenomenal, great work. He seems to be a really good and committed dad. I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah. I think that was the part that really hung my buddy up was that, you know, here we were talking about this BLM he, agenda. He came across to your friend is like, we thought LeBron was like a bad human being, which is not at all the case. And we should have been right. more clear on that. <clears throat> right. It, it, exactly. We, we should give credit to LeBron doing the great work that he does. But that doesn't mean that we were wrong in tying the connections between his approach to the Daryl Morey thing. And I told my friend this, yeah. you know, it's not a leap to point out what he did to Daryl Morey and in defending the Chinese Communist Party's basically, uh, you know. Got to sell those in, jerseys, baby. Exactly, man. There's four times as many Chinese people as there are American people. And the NBA is the biggest game in China. And mm -hmm. it's like the second or third biggest game in America. So just do the math, man. He's from a financial standpoint, the entire league is more invested and somewhat understandably so in China than, than they really are even here. Now in talking through it with him, it really brought to mind an interesting kind of conundrum, which is you and I are free market capitalists, right? Mm -hmm. And so as a free market capitalist, I look at LeBron or, um, your, your, your buddy up there, your buddy, the Dallas Mavericks owner, Mark Cuban, Mark Cuban yeah. who's been getting hammered on this um, for several weeks now between Ted Cruz going after him on Twitter and then a really uh, kick-ass interview that Megan Kelly had with him on her new podcast where she took it to him. I, I love Megan Kelly. That chick is so tough, but um, excuse me, that lady. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, a guy like Cuban or LeBron or all those guys, you know, they, they might say, listen, there's 1.2 million consumers there. Why would we not want to do business there? How could we not? That's that's over 10% of the global population in one country. Billion, yeah. yeah. But what did I say? Million, yeah. but... Yeah. I'm sorry, 1.2 billion, right. Right. And, you know, but the problem is to get to that 1.2 billion, you have to appease the Chinese Communist Party. And as I walked through it with, worked through it with them and talked through it with them, I realized I don't begrudge those guys for wanting to make money there. But for me... When you're willing to, to cover up and defend or hide the ball on the atrocities that the Chinese Communist Party is committing currently and has committed historically over the last 70 years. And will commit in Hong Kong when they... It, right. Know. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll continue. And the writing's on the wall. They're already doing that. Right. Exactly. And those, and people, then, don't, those people want to be free. You know, they don't want to be subjects to the Communist Party of China. That's right. They're out there flying American flags and stuff. Yeah. They, you know... 
when if you're going to do that, but then turn around and take part in a, a movement in this country that is backed by communist revolutionaries, that has things like we've detailed on their you know propaganda websites about taking fathers out of homes and stuff, which is squarely Marxism. One of Karl Marx's principal fundamental tenets of an ushering in a socialist utopia is that you have to remove children from their parents because parents pass on to children old out quote quote unquote outdated ideas right and and values and principles so one of the one of the keys to bringing about socialism to Karl Marx was to was to disrupt the nuclear family exactly what the Marxists who founded BLM and created that website and I mean the, yeah. the organization right yeah. said I, I, basically for me that creates if, if you're going to support this insurrection in the U.S., again, the movement aside, setting the movement aside from the BLM.com Marxist component of it, you know, if you're going to support that while also supporting the communist tyranny in China, that's a, that is a conflict of interest that I can't abide, and I'll right. continue to point it out. And since then, and I've shared this with you, uh, I got up Sunday morning, I was getting ready for church, family wasn't up yet, so I was catching up on some new stuff. And I came across a reference to, we've, we've mentioned Patrice Colors on yeah. uh, this podcast. She's one of the three ladies that founded BLM.com. The one who was on video back uh, several years back describing her and her comrades as trained Marxists. So Alicia Garza is one of the other two. Um, those She and, and Patrice seem to be the ones that get the most uh, notoriety from, from what I can see. Mm -hmm. Alicia Garza has started a new foundation called Black Futures Lab. And you can check them out at blackfutureslab.com. Um, I looked and it turned out she founded that in 2018. I saw some interesting articles, very supportive of the BLM movement, um, trying to very tactfully explain how, uh, how Alicia is kind of shifting her focus to that away from BLM because she's not interested in being the quote face of the organization she's interested in. Progress, I'd like to see right? her bank account. I wonder what it looks like right now. Yeah, I would too. Well, the funny thing is when you listen to Mo Fax and some other people's takes on why her and others are moving away from BLM, including the national opinion on the matter, mm -hmm. it's because this thing we've talked about has been exposed, right? And it's getting bad press. So she goes yeah. and she starts the Black Futures Lab. Which by I the way, as soon as those finals ratings came out, Adam Silver was like, whoa, 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 we're not, uh, we're not doing BLM next year. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. I mean, he, right. Even the league's given, you know, is distancing. Uh, because basically you know. we don't care about the movement. We just care about the dollars. It looked good. Right. And now people are tired of it. And which LeBron was, which why he drew our ire at the forefront of that. Um, I, I will say this. I have to admit that I feel like a dirty whore watching the NBA uh, but I love that Luca step back three, and I'm just I've loved the Mavs my entire life. I I don't know. It's a conflict of interest because I, I don't agree with what they're doing, but I love basketball, and so I you know I certainly I don't know. I just I feel dirty watching it, but I I can't stop. Well, getting back to freedom of speech, man. I mean, I said this is I was a little frustrated with some of the feedback because I was like, man, I gave LeBron credit for doing what he thinks is right. I gave LeBron credit for being a really intelligent human being who's super thoughtful and. It's the fact that he's super thoughtful that has me convinced that he knows full well about BLM's Marxist ties, right? But, but anyway, the, <clears throat> the concept of freedom of speech, those guys have the right to say what they want to say. You have the right to take in basketball and you can do both of those things. And that doesn't necessarily mean you support their agenda. 
we've said many times on this show, the left, even the hardcore Marxist left has a place in American society as far as I'm concerned. They don't have a place running American society. They don't have a place creating policy. We should push back against them at the ballot box and on podcasts and on television and in conversation with friends and family at every chance that we get to dis mm -hmm. to unveil for people who may not already see it just how corrupt and you know and detrimental their approach to their worldview is. But that doesn't mean they don't have the right to speak. Then they don't have a you know occasionally important things to say. So you know let them let them do their thing and you know, watch the game and enjoy Luca, the, you know, the next, the, <laughs> the next coming. Right. I mean, that guy's mm -hmm. phenomenal, but my friend acknowledged it. Um, so has Adam Silver. The pocketbooks have been affected, which means we won't have to see quite as much of it next year, but, but getting it back to this black futures lab thing real quick. So if you click on the donate tab of black futures lab, if, if, if I'm sure most people know if the black lives matter.com website, if you went to donate, it took you to something called Act Blue, which is a known Democratic uh, fundraising arm, mm -hmm. a Democratic Party fundraising arm. <laughs> Go click on this website, Black Futures Labs, donate tab, and you will see a italicized disclaimer, which I'm going to read for you. It says... Black Futures Lab is a fiscally sponsored project of the Chinese Progressive Association. CPA, mm -hmm. Chinese Progressive Association, is a 501c tax-exempt organization, provides their tax ID number. I, I don't think that it takes a lot of um, research or, um, I mean, by all means, everybody do it, and I'll provide the links in the show notes. What's so amazing to me, Chisholm, is that people are so dismissive of this type of stuff. I mean, the information is right there. And, and like the millennials who are going to the polls and voting for Biden, you could tell, I was having this conversation with my brother yesterday and he's like, ah, oh, whatever, you know, like, wh what do you mean? Whatever. It's funny. You look at Hong Hong and those people are fighting for their freedom. We have freedom and we're trying to give it away. I know, man. And I, my guess is, uh, my guess is somebody like your brother probably just doesn't know enough about what, what Marxism leads to. Um, I didn't understand. You know why? Because our American education system doesn't teach it. Why? Because it's run by Marxists. Yeah. But nobody wants to acknowledge or teach young Americans what happens when we adopt that worldview. They like to try to pretend that the Russians and the Chinese and the North Koreans and the Venezuelans and the Cubans have all gotten it wrong, right? That's not yeah. the case. It's, a, it's, it's not a workable system. And anyway, so I decided to Google, uh, you know, NBA ties to Black Futures Lab. And sure enough, you know, right off the bat, <laughs> somewhat surprisingly, it, it's, it's amazing how, some, how hard it is for me to, to find some of the things I'm, I'm looking for to support yeah. these show notes at times because Google buries stuff. But, but that, this came up pretty quick. And it's basically the Portland Trailblazers, according to NBA.com, the team page on the league's website, They've started something called their Racial Injustice Fund, which is committed to fighting racial injustices, racial inequities, and racism at a local and national level. An initial donation of 200 grand was split between local and national organizations. Those that are being funded by the, the Trailblazers Racial Injustice Fund specifically include the Chinese Progressive Association-backed Black Futures Lab. It is listed, like I said, I will provide a link 
that is an undeniable direct tie between a major NBA franchise and basically the, the Chinese communists, the Chinese Damn, progressive yeah. association. Like, what does that sound like? Sounds like communists, right? Mm -hmm. Technically it was founded in the seventies by Chinese immigrants to the United States. And so you'll see some BS if you go digging into it about their interest in progress. And this doesn't mean they're communists. What do you think progressivism even means? I think we may have talked about this, but I heard on a couple of podcasts that there's a word in certain Spanish dialects, particularly in Central and South American dialects, where they've had a whole bunch of communist insurrections, right? There's a there's a word, progressis, progressivista, something to that effect. Okay. Which basically has like the dual d definition in Spanish of being like dictator and progressive. It's the same word because that's what they mean. Progressivism means ultimately socialism. So anyway, all that being said, I've got a great article from the Heritage uh, website, heritage.org, that actually does specify some of the founding principles of the Chinese Progressive Association espousing their Marxist. Yeah, put that in the show notes for yeah, sure. Yeah, it'll be there. Yeah, it, it's undeniable. It's direct. It's as concrete as it can be made. And there's simply no... There is no pleading ignorance from the NBA, from LeBron himself, from anybody in that organization trying to pretend like they don't know the Marxist communist ties to this, this BLM uh, machine. And it really sucks, man. It, you know, and talking to a friend of mine who's really coming to grips with this, it, you know, he was like, yeah, it's not really, seems like there's way too much smoke here and these ties are real. And I was like, yeah, they are real. And it's a real shame because like we've talked about, there's a, there's a, a valid concern that this movement is wanting to address, but it's hijacked by commies and that's all there is to it. And so to the extent that we're able, we're going to point that out and we're not going to let people like your brother or anybody else get away with supporting that organization without at least knowing what they're doing. If they choose to do so at that point, it's free country, man. I mean, I try, but, I was trying dude to like, we, we were watching Monday night football, um, him and his wife and another a lifelong friend of mine was in town from uh, Denver. So I cooked up this moose heart that I've been saving um, and stuffed it. And anyway, I, I was trying to, I think it stemmed from a stupid ass uh, Joe Biden commercial coming on during Monday night football. And I just laughed. And anyway, we had to just agree to just not talk about politics because it was kind of like ruining the evening. <laughs> yeah, that'll and happen. I, and I, and, but going back to what you said, I, I was trying to, I don't know if he's voted yet or not, but I was trying to sway his opinion on, you know, Hey, there's one side is clearly in favor of freedom. If nothing else, if nothing else, one side, freedom, other side, socialism, communism against civil liberties, against freedom of speech. Well, I guess we can just keep trying to help them. That's why we're doing this podcast. That's right. And thankfully. I hope you're listening, Chris. I hope you're listening. So do I. I don't know. I, I'm going. My wife and I are going to vote uh, tomorrow, and uh, you know, I'm getting these messages blown up my phone from the Texas Republican Party, and I'm, and I'm like, relax. I took the red pill in my youth. It's all good. So I've been getting just slammed with emails all of a sudden too. Like two days ago, I'm, I'm getting 15, 20, 30 emails a day from Mitch McConnell and Tim Scott and Don Jr. and supposedly Don Sr. and Kayla McEnany and man, you name it, like 
<laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, they're all just form emails, right? None of those people are actually taking their time to do that, but it, it, uh, it came on like a tidal wave. It seems like it happened like right after you put our email addresses on this podcast. I don't know if there's any relation there. I don't think I'm not getting enough. them. Thank God. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. So I don't think we have enough listeners yet for that to have been related, but, um, I've been getting swamped with them for sure. So. Hey, and I, I, I do want to say thanks season. to everyone who's put a, a review out on uh, Apple, or I guess you could call it iTunes, whatever it is these days. But yeah, uh, certainly appreciate that. And and if you don't like the show, hey, you can leave a bad review too. We're uh, I, I've been in this business long enough to have thick skin; it doesn't bother me. Um, but uh, yeah, we appreciate the reviews for sure. It Tell will screw too. It will screw up our recommendations on the out al- with the algorithms, though. So you know. If you really got a beef, then go ahead. But we would certainly prefer five stars and subscriptions. <laughs> you know, I think we have all five stars except for Chisholm's dad. My who dad. gave us yeah. four stars. Because he thought the tribalism thing was goofy and boring. So I was like, thanks, dad. Awesome. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> and he listened to another one. He was like, this one was great. And I was like, well, yeah, it's too late. You already submitted your four star. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, we, I think it's uh, a good place to transition yeah. into today's topic of conversation and you know being from texas i'd say that we've had some strict coronavirus restrictions put in place i mean you and i have both lived it we we still and this is fine i I went to the supermarket yesterday wore a mask the whole time um and of course my mask was that uh you know a, a buddy sent it to me as a gag gift and it's that famous black porn star with the, you know, you, most people have seen him at this point. He goes around on uh, text chains and emails with your buddies, and it's the guy with the huge. He's well endowed. We'll just put it that way. But my mask is just his face, and I'm walking around shopping, and this this black guy just looks at me. And he starts cracking up, and I all I said was, "I guess you know." <laughs> <laughs> and he just was laughing, and we you know just had that knowing moment, right? Uh, Inside yeah. joke. A lot of people were mad at Governor Abbott uh, initially. I don't think he really overstepped his boundaries, um, did an okay job trying to control the coronavirus, but still acknowledging the fact that citizens have civil liberties and need to be able to do things like go to the gym, um, things that you can't do in California, by the way. You can't go to the gym. They're all closed. Um, but New Mexico, very blue state. I don't understand it. Going back to like, uh, how, you know, why African-Americans keep voting Democrats? Well, the Democrats haven't done a damn thing for them. Um, doesn't make a lot of sense, but New Mexico's poor. They keep voting Democrat. Okay. I'm in New Mexico, finished up my bear hunt. I head up to Taos and going to spend a few days in the back country. And actually I go to the fly shop there uh, and I'm looking around and like, you know, um, Everyone has a mask on outside, Chisholm. Out, outdoors. Can't walk around the damn city, the, the entire state, without a mask on. And I'm just like blown away. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'll put it on when I go inside, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to wear a mask outside walking around on the street. Just not going to do it. Um, totalitarian, to say the least. And you're driving down the highways there, and you would not believe. I, I was like, this is, I don't want to say it was communist propaganda, but it was... It was trying to get you, get inside your mind. And it was like every couple miles, here's another billboard. And it would have a picture of a kid. And so we're doing this for our children. They want to have a picture on the next one of a community. We're doing this for our community. They want to have a picture of a 
you know, older person. We're doing this for our loved ones. And they're just trying to mind F you into thinking that you need to wear a mask while you're walking around outdoors. Just the propaganda. It, it was very eye-opening to see what's going on there in the state bordering Texas to the left compared to what's going on here. And there's lots of, we're going to get into lots of these examples, but yeah, I don't know. What, what is your take on uh, being told you have to wear a mask walking around outside? Like if you were just going for a walk in your neighborhood, wear a mask. My take is that it's nonsense. It's not supported by anything that we've known about this virus basically since February, that this whole thing is just a exercise in compliance and that the mental contagion associated with this disease mm -hmm. is at least as virulent as the damn disease itself. That's what those billboards were. Like That's exact. Trying. They're just trying to terrify everybody, man. I, yep. One of the things that we lost in the <laughs> now lost episode nine debate recap was, you know, Joe Biden sitting there telling people to be afraid. There's a dark winter coming that, you know, it was just all fear mongering the whole time. There was a moment where they were talking about race, where he was telling black people, y'all are victims. And it's like, what could be more devastating to the human psyche than that type of propaganda, man? It, mm -hmm. I, I, I sort of, we've touched on this whole thing a couple times. I'm glad we're taking some time now to, to really dive into it, man. But I, you know, I was, I traveled for work extensively until this year over the last, say four, five traveling coast to coast, border, to border. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, usually gone three weeks out of the month, uh, you know, just during the weekdays, maybe two or three nights a week. And then I'd try to work from home for a week. And, um, after the holidays this year, I, you know, end of January, I got on the trail. I was in Boston in February. I was in Mississippi, like as the virus was getting going, Somewhere around late January, I want to say maybe the 1st of February, I'm talking to my dad and he was like, Chiz, you may need to look at your travel schedule. There's this, there's this virus coming from China. And I was like, whatever, dude. <laughs> That's just, right. I just, you know, blew it off as, you know, just uh, some kind of weird Fox News anti-China propaganda. I, you know, I don't know. People get worried about these types of things and they never end up being what this has been, right? Yeah. And, but he was pretty adamant. And my dad's not the kind of guy to freak out about stuff. I mean, I think I've mentioned it, but that dude was a Marine. He's pretty tough. I'm going right? to give him four stars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> four stars for his toughness. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So I, you know, but it, so it did register. I was like, that's really weird that dad's so concerned about that. That's hilarious. Right. And then it wasn't 10 days later, my company told me I couldn't travel anymore. It's like, whoa. Shut mm -hmm. down travel for the first, you know, for, it was like for a couple of weeks till we kind of reassess. And I was training for the Alamo Marathon. Next thing you know, there's rumors it was on March 6th. You know, the last week or so leading up to the race, you know, you go through 18 weeks of training. You try like hell the last month not to get sick, you know, you, not to twist an ankle. And then all of a sudden it's like, we might just have to cancel the race because people are getting a cold. And I was like, what's going on here? Thankfully we still ended up running the race and I will admit though. So imagine being March 6th, running a marathon in a city that's on the verge of shutting down. Right. Oh, and San Antonio happened to be like kind of ground zero for COVID-19 at that time, because we were bringing in people from the cruise ships and um, you know, people who were returning from uh, places that were banning travel. They were anybody who needed to be quarantined. They were bringing them to Andrews here in uh, San Antonio to the, these military installations. Right. And then like 
one lady was let out and then later found out one of her tests was positive and they were freaking out about her going to the mall. It was a big old mess, man. And I can tell you that like, as I was running by water stations and kids and adults were handing me cups of water, I was like, man, this seems a little crazy given what's going on. Is this going to kill me at that point? Right. Yeah. Anything about it. Right. I mean, we had like that. We had a few cases that had popped up in the U S and I don't know that we had had any deaths yet, but so like fast forward like a month. Right. And, the it, it happened to be on 420 uh <laughs> april 20th that a a news report was released by uh italy um not not a news report yeah. but like a, a comprehensive study it was like the first comprehensive study released from a, a western uh nation about the impact and at, i think we talked about this on one of the episodes that we didn't lose that in the first like 60 to 90 days after everybody discovered this thing, they lost like 70,000 people in Italy. Yeah. Now it turns out Italy has a, a quite a bit older overall demographic than the United States. Their, their population skews pretty older, pretty old, yeah. pretty el- you know, to the older end of the spectrum. Um, they also tend to live oftentimes a couple, three generations in the same household, you know, small apartment flats in the bigger cities, right? It, they kiss each other on the cheek. They get up in each other's personal space, right? It's very different culturally. Yet, all that being said, well, all that being said, you know, the data that they released supported now six months ago, I guess, exactly what we know today. The average age of death in that study from the 70-something thousand Italians that had passed during the first part of this, this, this deal was 80 years old, man. Right. The average age. That means half of everybody who died was over 80. Half of them. Yeah. Dude, the average age of death of all causes in the United States is 74. So the average age of death from this virus is older by by six by four years than the average age of death for all causes. Right. And then on top of that, it was basically like, like anybody, you know, they basically said anybody under the age of like 70-ish, 66 maybe, um, had some major pre-existing health condition you know diabetes cardiac problems lung conditions which is what we've seen to play out all of the united states across the world to a t nothing has changed man the only thing that's changed in the last six months is that we've gotten so much better at kicking the disease's ass i saw something this morning i don't have as evidenced by the scary orange man and the right who kicked it in three freaking days (laughs) a 74 year old man who's obese man i mean call a spade a spade trump god bless him but he's fat <laughs> right he's fat and he's pretty old and, and yet, he doesn't exercise I right because he on says it where's an episode his... of joe rogan that you got me to listen to uh rogan was like yeah trump doesn't exercise because he thinks like it it drains his body's uh energy reserves <laughs> right he mocks it he says that it just wears your body out that he sees yeah. all these people like with bad hips and knees and stuff and he's like you know i'm limerick and swing a golf club and you know what it seems to be working for, for him right more power to him like we said, he kicked this virus's ass. I saw Here you are running a marathon, right? What are you? You're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Um, that some, something I saw today. I'll try to recreate it and throw in the show notes. But dude, it, it was like um, it was acknowledging maybe it was Italy again. To be honest with you, that there was this pretty dramatic spike in cases, uh, a couple hundred percent spike in cases, coinciding with the spike we're seeing, yet like a five-fold reduction in mortality. So like mm-hmm. we were, they were saving more people despite, I mean, they, they were saving a higher percentage of the people catching it than the percentage of increase of people catching it. Like it, you know, supporting again that, yeah, we're, we're kicking its 
kicking his butt, man. And, you know, again, here in Texas, we, yeah. we proved it. We had our spike in June and July when the governor opened the, the state basically fully back up. And, you know, that's when the, when the spike began, also having to co- coincide with the start of the protests. Um, of course. Yeah, we, we went back to some, I'd say, reasonable restrictions on, you know. No, you and I were turkey hunting. I mean, the most, I think the strictest um, restrictions we, we had was, like, I guess that was when we went down to uh, the Uturia Ranch down there, Wallace County. It was April. April. Down First yeah, of April. April. Yeah. And um, we're like, hunting and fishing was, you get you get a pass. You could go, you could go do the, you could outdoor recreate um, that was never part of Governor Abbott's restrictions, but we get like this notice, like, "Hey, you're you're not supposed to be doing anything other than like non-essential activity." But yeah, well, we were told they but, were pulling people over and asking right, where they were right. going and stuff. We were like, "Oh, uh, hmm. which they didn't, which they didn't do, right. and and we would have been fine anyway because we were coming back from a hunting trip. Right. Um, like looking at the ways our family handled it, my family was like took it a lot more serious, like in our daily lives, like going to the grocery store, coming home, disinfecting all of our groceries. And we did that for like three months. And finally, Aaron and I were like, we just can't live like this anymore. If we get it, we get it. Um, life's got to go on. Our kids have to go back to school. It was virtual BS. I mean, give me a break. Um, our kids, actually, our kids wear masks still in school. And I think they're in the vast minority. I think only three or four kids in each of their classes are wearing masks all day. Uh, but we are still so i mean we're taking it seriously i wear a mask when i like like i said obviously when i go in the grocery store uh, but if i'm outside not wearing one now that's not something you can do in california chisholm if you're outside of your house you have to wear a mask same in new mexico and i wanted to ask you because this one and this is like a golden nugget given to us by governor kevin newsom just this week have you seen his thanksgiving day uh Restrictions? Holiday restrictions? No, uh, illuminate them for me. I, I, I know. Okay. I think I saw no more than three families in a household. <laughs> but that that that's actually that's actually like a global restriction. <laughs> Tell me about the Thanksgiving in particular. But I, I've got this like comprehensive yeah. list of rules, and they talk about you can't have more than three households gathered at a park. Right. And if there happens to be another three household gathering at the park, you shall not intermingle. It's insanity, dude. Go ahead. So let me run down the uh, Governor Newsom, California, Turkey Day restrictions. Outdoor only gatherings. What if it's raining? I guess Thanksgiving is just canceled then. Uh, Also, only two hours. That's how long you can hang out with your friends and family. They flew in from out of state. You get to spend two hours with them. And then the gathering has to uh, cease. No singing. So, like, we have a family tradition. It was my dad's mom. We sing, we gather together, uh, you know, old Southern Baptist hymn. We sing it every Thanksgiving, every Christmas, too, for that matter. She's since passed away, but the tradition lives on. Can't do that in California. So, no singing. Um, And then, let's see what else. Oh, yeah, the bathroom. So you're having this outdoor gathering with your three maximum three families. And, you know, I guess by about after the first hour, you need to go tinkle. Well, you can only go in that person's house if the bathroom has been properly sanitized. And then you have to use the bathroom and go straight back outside. Yeah, that's um, so it's funny. I, I, 
I've got up in front of me the, I guess the California Department of Public Health's uh, updates to their guidance as of October 9th. Mm-hmm. Um, and pretty much all that stuff is uh, generally applicable to life in California right now. I guess they felt the need to reiterate those pieces that are like real specific to <laughs> a holiday. But man, let me let me just run through a couple of these to add to that. Um, I guess before I even do that, like what's what's more just gross and sort of just damaging to human morale than to say on our like I mean the two biggest national holidays we have are Thanksgiving and the Fourth of July, right? And and Thanksgiving in particular is this time to get together with family eat a big meal, watch football. I mean, it, I don't know anybody who doesn't love Thanksgiving for everything that it is and that it's supposed to stand for. And No, no, no. And, Colin Kaepernick, he doesn't. He says it's a racist uh, holiday. Of course he does. <laughs> yeah. Just to be so, clear, there is that one guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure that he's got a whole bunch of uh, woke, angry, woke, angry followers who I, I guess agree with that, but yeah, I mean, to say, like you said, two-hour limits and, and that thing about the bathroom sanitation is hilarious. Anyway, I, I just I can't think of anything more just undermining to American culture than to say, hey, you know, you're like most prized and cherished holiday aside from your Independence Day. Yeah, I just can't have it. Can't hang out with your family. Can't do it for more than two hours anyway. But oh, anyway, I to say no trick-or-treating. That did not go over well with uh, Californians. I guess there's a few of them that still like freedom. Yeah, but most of them are moving to Texas, speaking of Rogan. But um, yeah. anyway, attendance, these again, these, these are general. This doesn't purport to be specific to to the holidays, um, but but there's definitely some that overlap with what you just said. Gatherings that include more than three households are prohibited. Three households right. are prohibited in bold. This includes everyone present, including hosts and guests. Remember, the smaller the number of people, the safer. Yep. Oh, yeah. Got it? Oh. Oh, yeah. And he also wants you to put your mask on in between bites when you're eating. Jeez. <clears throat> keep, keep the households that you interact with stable over time. By spending time with the same people, risk of transmission is reduced. How is that? that that's such bullshit. My kids go to school. Like, do they're, that. they're being introduced to possibly. I mean, the girls are at literally my kids are not at school today because they have a stomach bug. It's not Corona. It's they, they, they spent all basically all night throwing up. Now they're they're not at school today, so you know. Yeah, you know, you're still getting in. You're still being uh, around other people that could have Corona, COVID nineteen, or just the common flu. Like if your kids are going to school, limiting the households that you're interacting with in your daily life is irrelevant. I mean. Uh- I hundred percent irrelevant. I, the, the the statement by spending time with the same people, risk of transmission is reduced. I, I don't know where the hell they pulled that from. That's I, I guarantee you, know, you their kids, this, the kids. This is the party of quote science, right? Oh what yeah. You, like which their kids are are uh, California schools are closed until after the election, which I don't remember if we mentioned that in the lost episode, but that that's like the what is where's the science behind that? We're gonna open schools after the election? Uh, yeah. what does that have to do with anything 
It's absurd. And I guarantee you their kids are not playing sports. My my kids are all – I'm actually about to start coaching my girls' uh, winter indoor season. So our kids are back in sports. And like I mentioned, when we were – like Aaron and I had gotten tired of sanitizing our groceries and stuff, like the first moment where I was like, oh, God, I guess I'm going to have to get over this was when Henry went back to playing baseball middle of the summer. And he's catching and he puts that disgusting – and I never looked at it as gross. But then – you have this global pandemic and I'm like, Oh my God, my son has on the same catcher's mask that these other snot nosed kids were just wearing. I mean, like, I guess, I guess at that, that was the moment for me. I was like, I'm over Corona. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, l- listen to this next one, man. Uh, keep in mind, this is only rule three so far. And I've, I've read them. I've read the first two, mm-hmm. the host of these three household parties, right? Should collect names of all attendees and contact information in case contact tracing is needed later. What do you what do you think in general about this conversation and top com- this concept of contact tracing? Um, I don't care. Like I, I, I'm to the point where if you're high risk, don't add extra risk to your life. Don't you know? Maybe you're the one that needs to stay indoors. Um, well, let, let me let have me your groceries delivered to you. I, I at the end of the day, we're all going to get it or we aren't. There's no vaccine. You're not going to take the vaccine if there is one. I'm probably not either. So this just has to play its course. I do want to add one uh, antidote here. My wife is a nurse practitioner, and she was working in the, at the time, emergency room during the swine flu epidemic under the, you know, when Obama was president. She said that was way more contagious and way worse for kids uh, than... COVID-19 has been or ever could be. The, the only thing was is it wasn't killing people. And she was like, if that virus had been as deadly as this one, which still we know is not, it's a drop in the bucket as far as how many people are actually dying percentage-wise, uh, she said it would have like, it would have it would have made coronavirus look like just you had a 24-hour bug. Now we shut down a classroom because there's one positive test. Like, when swine flu was going on, like entire classrooms just wiped out for a week. No one was going to school because they were all sick. Yeah, I, I think that uh, it's a great point. Trump has been right to hammer the O'Biden, uh, O'Biden, <laughs> Obama, Biden administration on their their handling of that virus. And they were pretty lucky. We were lucky as a people that that wasn't worse. And it gets to the point you made uh, last week, which is it's really hard maybe almost impossible to really effectively plan for this. These viruses are independent or individual unique organisms. They have individual unique pathologies and individual unique, uh, you know, uh, symptoms and, and mm-hmm. effects. Right. So there, there's never going to be a, a, a one, uh, you know, a fail safe way to, to combat these things. You know, we right. can have to me, you know, Trump's desire to bring manufacturing of, of particularly, you know, health, uh, you know, medicines and, and PPE and things that the, the health industry needs uh, is probably about the best we can really do. The ability to ramp up and be pre- be prepared to provide equipment and, and medicines and that sort of thing should be step number one. And from there, you're going to have to have a little bit of, you know, the scientific community pulling up by their bootstraps and, and figuring it out uh, in real time. And I think yeah. that's what we've seen, right? right? Right. But again, getting back to sort of the original point, like, all that being said, nothing has changed. I mean, there were doctors all across Texas when it was spiking here in June that were trying like hell to get their message out that we're beating this here. We're beating this by combinations of hydroxychloroquine, 
zinc and erythromycin in varying doses. And the critical thing is get it as fast as possible. Nobody wanted to let him say that because orange man said hydroxychloroquine. So obviously he's evil and that stuff's a, you know, just a poison. Mm-hmm. Anyway, getting back to beating up on California, which is everyone's favorite pastime. Well, certainly you know, here, ours. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, here, here's the part where it says, well, yeah, and there's, and, there, and there's, there's validity to that because California, in my opinion, is the root of, I think you can just go ahead and call a spade a spade and say the root of evil in the modern world, like is, is certainly for our country. If you want to talk about getting further away from traditional values, Christianity, basically anything that's good, that's where it starts. Yeah. And there's still good people in California. I don't, you know, there are, I have a friend that lives there. I have a few friends that live, one even lives in San Francisco. God bless him. I don't know what, what he's doing there. People are shitting on the street. You know, he's paying, million for a 1,200-square-foot house. Not my cup of tea, but he's a good guy. I mean, there's 30-something million people in that state. Of course there's good people there. The problem is, I mean, just look at what they... They actually voted during their last election on a proposal to break the state up into three. Because Hmm. the reality is that the greater Los Angeles area and the greater San Francisco area are these leftist socialist utopias in an otherwise pretty normal American state. You know, I've been to Bakersfield and all up and down the San Joaquin Valley for work. And I can tell you that other than the fact that on the horizon is a mountain range, it might as well be Sinton, Texas, 10 minutes from where I grew up. And it is farm fields as far as the eye can see. And, you know, Bakersfield looks like your typical South Texas ag town. Um, You know, you got people who work, really work for a living. Um. Oh, yeah. Yeah. San Diego is, you know, one of the probably three or four top military installation ins- installations, uh, military towns in the United States. They've got a very libertarian-ish culture. It's kind of the best of all worlds, right? You got the the benefits that, uh, I guess, that a, that a liberal place like California brings. You got the beach, you got the weather, but then you've also got, you know, all these badass seals running around and Marines running around that kind of remind everybody to, <laughs> have a pair mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. the voting determines the outcomes of of you know the like how does kamala harris become senator she's like the you know how far left you have to be to be elected senator in california and the problem is is that those major urban areas and it's the same in like colorado where denver and boulder decide everything um they did de- they determine what the good folks in northern california are subject to and I, hey, if I was in Northern California, I'd be like really excited to possibly have the state broken up. Yeah, I was kind of half surprised it didn't get farther than it did. I'm glad, glad you brought up Kamala. Quick little sidebar. You know, one other thing that my buddy who I mentioned criticized from that, that episode uh, when we got into the VP debate recap part. And um, he said something that this guy, this, you know, the, the, the radio host Charlemagne that Biden said, uh, if you know, if you don't know, you if ain't you're black. From, right? He, the, the, yeah, the yeah. guy he said you ain't black too. So he's been a Kamala. Well, Biden gets away with murder, like no one even cares. Oh, it's unbelievable, that. dude! It's so unbelievable. What if Trump said that? <laughs> <laughs> Could you, you imagine? Bet it would get more coverage for sure. Oh. All this. I mean, what if Donald Trump Jr. was the one whose emails had been exposed? Do you think that the that the media would be standing down because it was quote yeah. unverified? No, we've seen what they do with unverified things like the P dossier from. Uh, four years ago, but 
Anyway. We, and, you know, that's one thing to mention from the last episode, which we harped on. Um, look at the character of the two parties, of, of the, the head of the two parties, Trump and Biden. Look at the character of their children. Yep. Just, that tells you a lot about who they are as a person. Yeah, I mean, I will say, I'll, I'll caution that by saying there are lots and lots and lots of great parents, extraordinary people, extraordinary Christians who, you know, raise kids that we're all individuals, right? And, and sometimes people have damages that don't have anything to do with their parents. Mm-hmm. They have demons that they don't, you know, I, 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 I think it's, a, it's, a, it's worth pointing out. Um, it's more critical. It's more of an issue in this case because the, you know, allegations seem to tie Joe directly to this stuff. They seem yep. to indicate Joe had knowledge of the fact that this dude had what appears to be an inappropriate sexual relationship with a 14 year old, like niece of his, right. Or at least maybe not, nobody's saying sexual, but there's like pictures of her half undressed on his computer and weird texts between he and his dad, that his sister-in-law was concerned about him being naked around the kids, you know, anyway, just, dude. just very, weird. and then obviously the allegation that Joe was on the take and getting a cut of his Chinese money, by the way, Joe put out his his tax returns and was, you know, very proud and, and boisterous to do so, right? Because Trump hasn't. Yeah. So they showed that in 2015 and 2016, he made $350,000 a year as vice president. And then in 2017, his first year out of office, it jumped to $16 million. And then the next year, it was like $18 million. And then I think oh. last year, it was $19 million. Now, the left would tell you, right, because he started doing public speaking engagements and he wasn't. Uh, yeah, maybe that had a lot to do with it. Maybe some of that was some back do, you know, some back dues or some 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 catch up on some of these promises his son had been making to cut him ten percent of deals that were being, you know, unfolded during that time before he could get his hands on it. I, I've kind of gone off a couple of different tangents. Let me say one thing about Kamala. We've brought up her record as a prosecutor, and my friend said to me. Well, isn't that kind of her just doing her job to the best of her abilities? And that's what Charlemagne, that's how he defends it, right? And yeah. to both of them, I would say, that's not the job of a prosecutor. Their job is not to tip the scales in justice of justice in favor of prosecution. And anybody who's standing on high ground right now over the you know, conversations this summer and the need for police reform, et cetera, damn sure has, should not be advocating that she was in any way, quote, just doing her job prosecutorial prosecutorial abuses like what she pulled off are one of the biggest problems in the criminal justice system. And I don't care what color the skin of the person is and what letters by their name and what God they pray to. You point me to a politician who's got that track record and I will say, F him or her, vote him out. Mm-hmm. I mean that sincerely. I don't care if they're a Republican or a Democrat. She's yeah. crooked. She puts people who don't deserve to be in jail in jail. I'm against incarceration in general, by and large, man. You got to do something pretty bad to spend 20 years in jail, as far as I'm concerned. So I'm anyway, walking around with a dime bag. Exactly, dude. So reminds you know, me of college. That, that's uh, that on Kamala. That's something so else. I was told anyway. <laughs> <clears throat> that, that, that's my take on Kamala. Getting back to this uh, Biden thing real quick, and then we'll get back to COVID. You know, I've heard Rudy Giuliani talking about this this laptop from hell, quote unquote, in the last week or so on a couple of different podcasts, Dan Bongino in particular. The left, much like they do to Kanye, is trying to make 
it's funny because they're pretending like Joe Biden's not senile, but they're trying to claim that Rudy Giuliani is. Yeah. And that he's just this crazy old codger. And they kind of act almost like he always has been. And they seem to just forget about or dismiss the fact that Rudy Giuliani is one of the most legendary prosecutors in the history of the American Department of Justice. He was chief prosecutor and basically led the Southern District of New York and was responsible for taking down everything from mob crime bosses to the, the blind sheik, uh, you know, during some of the uh, ISIS uh, you know, terrorism trials and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, after two plus decades as a uh, top prosecutor in New York, he went on to found Bruce Bracewell and Giuliani, one of the biggest, most prestigious law firms in America for a couple of a couple more decades. And then he ran the city of New York, one of the largest and most formerly incredible cities in, in the world, to the greatest prosperity it had ever seen. And that's like unanimous. He was getting standing ovations everywhere he went. Uh, after 9-11 in particular, now all of a sudden he's this crazy old codger. Listen to him talk and tell me who's more lucid and with it, him or Joe Biden. And then listen to this man detail excruciatingly the steps that he's gone through and the case that he's built tying these payments from the Chinese and Russian groups back to Biden through like seven different intermediaries through the United Arab Emirates and Egypt. and Dude, it's they think they're playing with some some lightweight they're they're playing with this this dude didn't put this out there if it's not legit it sounds hollywood just fantasy almost to say oh they found this laptop well you know that's kind of what happens when a crackhead (laughs) you know a crackhead is left to his own devices he does dumb crackhead stuff (laughs) anyway so dude here's this rule we're getting back to that does not remind me of college by the way (laughs) right no crack haven't have never gone down that road. Jeez, man. Uh, yeah. Wow. Um, gatherings. To- gatherings. Yeah, yeah. Listen, listen to this one, dude. Gatherings may occur in outdoor spaces that are covered by umbrellas, canopies, awnings, roofs, and other shade structures, provided that at least three sides of the space, or 75%, are open to the outdoors. How insanely prescriptive is that? Yeah, you can stand under an awning. It better have three open size, sides. Um, mm-hmm. This one. Three open sides. Okay, yeah. Three three households in one place, right? It says um, a gathering of no more than three households are permitted in a public space or outdoor space, even if unrelated gatherings of other groups up to three households are also occurring in the same park or outdoor space. If multiple such gatherings are occurring, mixing between the two gatherings is not allowed. Additionally, multiple gatherings of three households cannot be jointly organized or coordinated to occur in the same public park or other outdoor space. So, so they're saying that you could have a, a, a three-person household, call up another household and get them to get three households together. You could all go to the same park and maintain distance from the two groups of three, but the fact that you coordinated to go to the park is against the rules. Yeah, insane. Just that. So we know that Newsom is a, a shill and... I, I don't know, man. I, I keep going back to this terminology of subjects versus citizens. Like, I'm a citizen, and I'm not going to be subjected to your uh, totalitarian attempt at authority. It just, it, you know, I have my personal freedom as an American. But there's this this mindset that because I've I have you know 
evolved. I've moved on from the, the fear of getting COVID. It could still kill me. Very unlikely. But there's this mindset, Chisholm, and I got it from like, once again, going back to the conversation, watching football last night. I'm like inconsiderate. I'm an asshole because I don't want to wear a mask outside. Just because I'm not afraid of COVID right. doesn't make me an asshole. I'm not an inconsiderate prick. I care. I, you know, I'm wearing the mask in the grocery store. Absolutely. I don't want to get COVID. I don't want other people to get it. But I'm going to go on living my life. And, it, and it's the same thing. Like, uh, compare that to the economy. The, America has to go on. It, this thing is crippling our country. And, it's, and, there, and there's no reason for it to be at this point. It, we, we have, we've jumped the shark on this, man. It, it doesn't, the things we're doing don't make any sense. They're not supported by what's actually happened through the course of this virus. Yeah. Um, and, and to your point that, that mindset you just described, there's a book that I really need to read. I've heard it talked about ad nauseum. So I've got a pretty good handle on, on what it, what it's about, but it's written by a guy named Jonathan Haidt. Uh, I believe he's a psychologist from Harvard university and it's called the coddling of the American mind. And it's basically about how the, the boomer generation. And then I guess the next generation after that gen X or, or whatever, they, they sort of, implemented this this uh helicopter parenting approach to to our culture to the point where you know nowadays you can't let your fourth grader ride her bike across to the next neighborhood over your uh you know you're you're endangering your children right and in your nice days it's so bad that they've had to come up mom dad i'm i'm gonna go out with the uh, neighborhood bicycle gang and i'll see you for dinner okay that's how the right. conversation be home when the lights when the, the street lights come on. Yeah, right. exactly. It's gotten so bad that they've had to come up with a name for getting back to normal parenting. They're calling it free range parenting, right? Meaning giving your kids a little space to explore the world. And dude, it's like he, he talks about how that that alone, just letting your fourth grader jump on a bike and go to the neighbors down the street is crucial to their development. It teaches them to navigate the world, literally navigate the world, right? And that's like if you don't have that ability by the age of like 10 or 12, he says it stunts you forever. But anyway, you know, what, what I hear when I hear people saying, oh, it's because you're inconsiderate and don't care about others. You're such a dick, Chisholm, because you are over coronavirus. Yeah, well, I mean, I am. And so I guess that does make me a dick. But it, it's, <laughs> dude, I mean, it is the, this. I get that. I mean, it's on social media. It's from, you know, friends, family, like. Yeah, yeah, guess what? And the same people who are telling you that are telling them telling you they don't care that BLM has got to- communist ties. Yeah. It's yeah. a communal it's a communal worldview. And I say like we say all the time, there's a need for the communal worldview in our society. We should think about others, right? We should. We all know that. We're Christians. We're taught that, right? Yeah. But there's a balance. There's a yin and yang, there's a left and right, there's a balance between the communal and the individual. And when what's being demanded of the, you know, on behalf of the communal doesn't make any damn sense. And in particular, you know, a lot of people are quick to dismiss this as, oh, it's not that big a deal to wear a mask. It's not that big a deal to wear a mask, man. Um, It is a big deal to tell a a restaurant they can't run their business and they have to lose what they built for the last 15 years. It is a big deal to say yeah. you can't get your family together for thanksgiving right so the question is like is this all just a test case for even in more insane restrictions of and, and strippings of liberty coming in the future i think it is the more we're willing to deal with go back to the you know go, newark we, uh newark new jersey uh the the uh new rule there is restaurants have to take patrons temperatures as they walk in uh you know i'll be honest with you at least they've got the place open 
um yeah yeah you know, temperature checks are that seems somewhat reasonable, but it, but it takes me back to when we kind of got off this point, I'd asked you what you thought about contact tracing. And I, I don't think I asked the question well. What I was really trying to ask was, what do you think about the idea that our cell phones will be used for contact tracing? That contact tracing could be this uh, mandated requirement where you, know, you may be told to quarantine because you had uh, a direct contact with a person who had the virus, even though you're not sick, right? Or be told to quarantine because you had an indirect. You were in t- talking to a person yesterday who the day before was in contact with the virus. And so even though the virus hadn't had time to incubate in that person yet, nor in you yet, all of a sudden you're subject to quarantine. You see, like, it, and not to mention using tech for that monitoring. We already know our damn cell phones are listening to what we're talking about and then showing us, you know, ads, advertisements like, yeah. for when, we, when we talk about, you know, need a new pair of underwear. All of a sudden we get a Hanes advertisement on our Instagram, but right. I just, there's an invasion of privacy there and it, it opens up. If, if this is the world we live in now that everybody is going to hide from every little thing and that the government's going to mandate it, dude, who's to say, you know, somebody who gets cold sores like yours truly isn't, you know, being contact traced and forced to, you know, to basically like remove themselves from society for, for spread of, you know, for fear of spreading a cold sore. It's like a like, modern day leper. Like that's what they're that's what I'm saying. Absolutely. Exactly, dude. Exactly. Go back to what the, they're doing. the right. New Testament and Jesus is like healing the, the lepers and stuff. And the way that those people were ostracized and treated, they had like exactly. leprosy camps, like where you couldn't like be inside the city walls. They just drag you out into this camp and just leave you there to die. Dude, they're proposing that in, 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 um, I can't remember if it was Ontario I think it was in Ontario, one of the provinces, one of the woke provinces up in Canada. Um, there's a proposal right now. There's actually, a, I think, did we talk about this on the Lost Podcast? I don't know. There's, there's a request for proposal out by the province of Ontario. I think we just talked or, about it just, just casually. Just personally, yeah. yeah. They, they're requesting proposals from contractors to build internment camps for this beginning as early as next year. And you know, in, in, in Australia, I, I heard a guy explaining that they've, they've got, I don't know if it's the current policy or plans they're, they're pushing a policy to require anyone who comes into their country. I guess it's a planned policy, right? That once the virus is developed, uh, vaccine is developed and, and out, they're going to require you to take it. And if you leave the country and come back in and you don't have the vaccine, an Australian citizen quarantined for two weeks. If you fly in to the country, they want to tie this to your, uh, they want to tie it to your damn passport. Mm-hmm. So you can you could fly from here to Australia and they would scan your passport. And if your passport barcode doesn't show you've been vaccinated, then they'll quarantine your ass for two weeks. Like, Guess what? Australia is a prime example of like, I, I love the idea that Australia was like this last, um, you know, the outback in this. It, I mean, it came from, that's where they used to dump criminals, right? In Australia. Like, I think England and yeah, mostly yeah. England, right? Just... Here we're we don't want to deal with you. You're you're a violent criminal. We're just gonna drop you on this island that's in uninhabited by and large. So th- there's like this allure. Like I like that. Um, it's wild, the outback. But Australia gave up their guns, and so it's no surprise that they. That, I mean, the citizens. Yeah, they're subject. They're subjects. That's what they are. They're subjects. They're not citizens. They turned in their guns. They watched as the government melted their guns. So hundred percent, man. You know, I mean, you want. You want to look at something as an example yeah, of yeah, what I mean, we it, don't like want to become? About it, That's a prime example. We don't want to be Australia. 
They think they're a free country. They're not. No, but they certainly don't appear to be. And they seem to be more woke even than we are. At least the parts of it I hear about. Which, when are we going to get our unwoke shirts up and going? Yeah, we need to get those. Uh, We have some cool shirt ideas and that will be... uh, Coming uh, ASAP. We have lots of yep. stuff we need. We need to get on. But which we, hey, we are on Spotify now, so I know. that's good. We're yeah. we're uh, we're we're becoming a little more legitimate every week. I think. Um, yep. As we get this thing going, um, getting back to the COVID restrictions, I, I think we need to make the point, which I alluded to early on in the podcast, kind of in the intro, that there is a common thread. The states that have, I think, been the most totalitarian are all blue and i think they've done the poorest job i mean look look at the nightmare that new york has become and and as president trump said in the last debate it's a ghost town he's like my once beautiful city is a ghost town because of how poorly the um, coronavirus restrictions have been implemented also defund the police like no one wants to be outside because murder and and violent crime is on the uptick i mean of course it is yeah. You look at that. You look at, uh, oh, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. I, I don't see how the they're worst. not going to vote her out, dude. Like, I, I actually just read this today. She got put in her place by the Michigan Supreme Court because the people were like, I, I don't, I didn't actually get into what the newest uh, plant, her newest restrictions were going to be that she tried to implement. But the Michigan Supreme Court struck it down and said that's unconstitutional, violates personal freedom. You're not doing it. Which I thought was yeah, awesome. Absolutely. Um, thank, thank God for them. I that that's where I I was talking to a friend of mine last night, and I, I was saying, you know, you, you mentioned wearing masks and all the stuff that we're kind of still doing in Texas. I think we're coming quickly. I'm kind of getting already there at the point where how much of this are we willing to put up with as the data continues to show we've we've pretty much got this thing beaten back, right? If if you feel the need to protect yourself because you're at the high risk category. More, uh, you should. I, yeah. I, I still say you should. And that's been my take since February. But the rest of us should go about life and requiring masks for healthy people who could catch this thing and not even ever go to the hospital over it is dumb. Um, there's plenty of data, including from Anthony Fauci's mouth himself, that says that it doesn't even actually work. Uh, it doesn't appear to be working. If you listen to Biden right now, he says that the reason that the cases are skyrocketing back here again is because everybody's not wearing masks. That's certainly not the case anywhere. I'm We're all wearing masks, dude. In Texas, we are. I don't know about these Midwest states that are having these surges. My guess is they are. But my, my, my point is more, at what point do we just say enough's enough and as, an act, and as acts of civil disobedience say we're done? You mentioned one time boycotting on our show. Um, actually you said you were boycotting Snoop Dogg or Corona beer. I am, because you, you I don't am like Snoop boycotting. Dogg. I'd like Corona. to go on the record as saying I do like Snoop Dogg, even if he does race bait from time to time. It's funny. I told my old man that my dad goes, I like Snoop Dogg, <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't anyway, care for him. not to get onto a sidebar about that. Yeah, I got you. I was just messing with you. Mostly. I don't like, the, um, here's why I don't want, I don't like people that want to further divide race relations. And that's what he, no, he I does. get where you were coming from. I, I, I and so when I see Corona I go from Tony Romo to, uh snoop dog i'm like mm, i'm out the, the point was your beer the, tastes the, like the, a skunk anyway well that was what i was gonna say is i've always boycotted corona because it tastes like dirty gym socks but whatever <laughs> <clears throat> um my point was the boycotting concept right yeah. I, i'm at the point where there are businesses that aren't enforcing certainly not enforcing or maybe even requiring uh mask use now but then like 
you know, I went into a CVS, which of course is a national brand and it's sign out said, said you will be asked to leave if you don't have a mask on. Right. I'm, I'm at the point where we should start boycotting this nonsense and, and let the free market speak for, for this issue. Um, yeah, I, I just, it, I, and I'm glad to, to hear courts, you know, the, the United States Supreme court back in like May, I think in a five, four ruling where chief justice, John Roberts sided with the liberals, quote unquote liberals, the, the quote unquote liberals who are not for liberty, which doesn't make any sense. Um, right. That, that these restrictions on churches in particular were not a violation of uh, religious liberty. And now they did explain in, in the case, the case law on this, because we've, we've had these types of issues before pandemics and other, other things that were, that allowed for, for restrictions on our bill of rights um, based on, 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 you know, societal level, societal level problems. Basically the long and short of it is those restrictions are only constitutional for, you know, a, a, a certain period of time and to a certain extent. Right. So like mm. in the early days of a pandemic, telling people they can't go to church is going to be upheld by the courts as we try to figure it out. But six months later, once it's kind of figured out, it may not, it may no longer be constitutional. The exact same restriction. If the data starts to come in and, you know, the, the outcomes and the, uh, and the, the preventative measures are you know, like understood to be working. There, there's a point at which those restrictions, that freedom then must trump that need. Right. And mm -hmm. I, I'm glad to hear that we we're starting to see courts head that direction. I'm sitting here looking at a chart and this is death rates from coronavirus. I guess it's deaths per hundred thousand. New Jersey, number one, at 183 deaths per 100,000. New York, number two, at 172. Massachusetts, hardcore, you know, socialist utopia, 142. Connecticut, 128. Louisiana, a state normally considered a red state, happens to have a blue governor. I don't know if you knew that. Mm -hmm. Comes in next. Rhode Island. Uh, then you got, like, Mississippi. D.C.'s next. D.C. Man, all the smartest people in America live in D.C., and here they are. Not even a damn state in their rank number seven or eight. Yeah. Uh, Where's Texas? Illinois. I don't even see them because they've got this thing hidden. Let's see. Texas. Texas, Texas, Texas. Someone told me, oh, Texas is doing such a shitty job. Oh, we're like right. We're, we're, we're like right in the middle, according to this. Right. So now, now this he's is like you have all these deaths. I was like, well, we have a lot more freaking people than you do in wherever the hell you live, Kansas or whatever, you know, irrelevant. But yeah, of course, you have to look at percentage you can't just say oh you have more deaths well no shit we have more people so um right no well, surprise to see all the blue states though leading the death rate and so what a terrible job new york is the blueprint for how not to handle things i mean just completely botched it and then blamed it on trump like it was his fault like uh, don't, taking no responsibility which that doesn't surprise you from a politician but i mean that's exactly what they did He's the one that shuffled all the people back into the uh, old folks' homes to die. Yeah, and like we've said before, is now trying to gaslight us into pretending it didn't happen. I, I, I don't. Um, I just don't even know how he gets. I, I don't know how he could be so. Uh, the gall of somebody to pretend to act like we didn't all watch it, and that the paperwork's not there. Oh, but even worse, you talked about Whitmer. I was listening to. Uh, Stephen Crowder the other day, who was originally born in Michigan mm -hmm. and 
held a rally up there here in the last like week or two, uh, you know, opposing Governor Whitmer's uh, draconian nonsense. They're hiding their data. Do you know that? Really? They apparently, they apparently did the same thing, sending dude sending. They were basically using nursing homes. These people allege as uh, sick wards. So they weren't sending sick elderly people back in, like what I've heard they did in New York. They were sending sick college kids to hang out at the nursing home. Hmm. That's what that's that's what the, this particular report was saying. But but the most important thing is, but yeah, we love our the old data. People. They won't that state won't release the data on who's died, what ages they were, etc. So she's out there demanding that nobody can plant gardens and you know go outside and breathe fresh air. Uh, except for her husband who's allowed to go out boating mm -hmm. and yet not even willing to share with the public the results of their, you know, their, their efforts or just the general statistics on death rates in the state of Michigan. Nobody even knows how they've handled it because they won't acknowledge it or share it. That's, I mean, I can't imagine that'll stand. There's gotta be a freedom of information act uh, implication there. I'm trying to find there's a the really good stat. I found one chart, but it's it's all the way back in May that had Texas at number 32 in what they call the case fatality rate. So it's the deaths in ratio to the number of confirmed cases. That's a that's probably a better statistic. I don't know. Case per hundred deaths per hundred thousand isn't bad either because that shows you how you're doing as a population. Um, the case fatality rate shows you how you're doing fighting the actual disease. Right. Not necessarily. One kind of shows you how it's spreading and and what kind of impact it's having. The other one really shows you how you're doing against, uh, you know, battling its impacts. But anyway, look those numbers up. I'll try to find some charts for the show notes. But they basically show that states like Texas and Florida that never um, went to, you know, full-blown Cali-style lockdown did as good or better on, than California on basically every measure. And that states like, you know, Michigan and, and New York and New Jersey uh, – generally did worse with, yeah. with stricter, yeah. more draconian measures. I do want to say celebrities are starting to speak out, especially in California, which is weird because usually the celebs are like at the forefront of, they live the American Fear dream. They're all millionaires and yet they still like want to be leftists. It's, it's absurd. Uh, but like Rob Schneider, Deuce Bigelow and, uh, a yeah. hell of a comedian. Um, like the follow Cajun him on guy Twitter. Water boy. Yeah. He's a, uh, he's like, got some great stuff to say like he's calling uh uh newsome emperor on his tweets and uh i've been following along on, nice. on his stuff yeah um he's one to follow for sure also james woods that's no secret that right. uh uh but he's one he's he's with it he's not woke uh to say the least but i think it's nice to see we've seen we saw 50 cent come out last week we've seen ice cube all coming out and maybe not saying well, no, 50 Cent came out and basically said, I don't want to be 20 Cent. I'm voting for Trump right. because right. of the Biden. Yeah, he was clear. Yeah. Right. Um, Cube was but, more, uh, well, frankly, political with it. And, and Cube's not yeah. wrong. His point is like, listen, I'll work with whoever's in power to get what I need for my people. Yeah. Um, yeah. To your point, 50 was not, <laughs> he was pretty direct. Yeah. Um, um, but so I think people are waking up. I just don't, I, I hope that it's not too late. Um, you know, I'm. you're a lot more confident in what's going to happen next week than I am. I'm, I'm scared to say the least, but hopeful, you know, I didn't think we were going to win the last election and we did. 
uh, hopefully. Right, nobody did. Yeah. 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 In fact, so, from the only two polls that I'm aware of that predicted a Trump win last time are predicting a Trump win this time. So, mm. um, yeah, I, I'm pretty optimistic, man. I, I felt before last week's debate that um, that the polls were wrong. Uh, they were they were narrowing and they, and they still are, uh, particularly in the battleground states. I, you know, I listened to this guy named uh, Robert Cahaley, who is a member of this Trafalgar, Trafalgar uh, polling group. He's this this guy who's trying to explain how the polls are so broken, that they've got a better system. They've got better questions. They're the ones that came up with the who do you think your neighbor is voting for? And when that question is asked, it's something like 70 percent across the country. Like 52, 50 to 51 or so percent of the respondents will say they're voting Democrat, but 70 plus percent say their neighbors voting for Trump, they think. Hmm. And he believes that's a a little bit of a tell about, uh, I mean, just look at the rallies and everything, right? Nobody shows up to, nobody's even, show, dude, Obama is out on the trail right now and getting four or 500 people to show up. Hmm. President Obama, while Trump's out there packing thousands and thousands of people into these outdoor rallies, right? And you've got these these regards what an asshole these, um, how could he have a rally during covid well exactly I mean, <laughs> how, how dare they right but I mean, yeah. but i guess as long as you're woke and progressive you must be immune right because you can you can protest uh and you can you know chuck molotov cocktails and do all kinds of stuff like that uh and you know people will support it from the left you can be obama and go speak to 400 500 people um but yeah i mean if you're on a boat on Lake Travis with a Trump flag, then you're a, you know, racist who should be uh, in jail, imprisoned. Right. So. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Well, this one's gotten a little long winded. I think we'll uh, put a nice little bow on it right here. I, I Here's what I want to do next week. Chisholm, something that's been on both of our hearts is this dude. I don't even know how to, to phrase it, but it's not like a new, it's not a, a new shift in ideology but it's it's certainly becoming more apparent especially in our educational systems as we talk about transgendering our youth and even laws that and you brought this to my attention like there are states where they want to make it criminal for you to take your child out of that type of class because they're they're teaching your child that hey transgendering is normal you should be able to do it as early as kindergarten some parents don't want their kids to uh to be taught or indoctrinated with that type of uh, thought process. Yeah, I think that's a great topic. Well, I think we should leave some room next week for uh, election coverage, for sure. But um, let's do no, we'll in, do two more then. Right? Yeah, yeah. In, in the next episode or two, let's let's get to that. Uh, all that stuff you just said is kind of in the ballpark. Um, but to clean it up a little bit, and we can get into the details next time. They like in California, they have started in the last couple of years uh including transgender ideology teaching at the kindergarten level like you pointed out yeah. and what's unique is that in other types of specific sexual education programs the state has um allowed parents to opt their kids out you know at certain stages uh based on their you know religious objections or moral objections or whatever they're not letting you opt out of this and what they're specifically teaching these five and six-year-olds is that the doctor guessed about their gender based on their body at their birth, but nobody can term determine what gender they are than them. And it's up to them to start working on figuring that out. And it's like, oh, great way to just 
like completely melt the brains of these children. And, and, you know, it makes it a topic of conversation with kids who don't even know what all that's for yet. They're not, you know, it's insane. Right. And then, and then in New Jersey, there's a rule on the books for the New Jersey department of education that says that like if a kid in high school comes out to a teacher or a counselor as transgender and says, I don't want to talk to my parents about it because I'm afraid they won't accept it. Then the state's policy is they shall not share it with the parents. Mm-hmm. So they will they will hide it deliberately. They'll have the child bring a change of clothes and dress whichever way they want once they get to school. Oh my god! Yeah, call them whatever name they want. Let them use whatever bathroom and shower they want, and hide all that very deliberately from the parents. I have not seen yet a state that has gone so far as to say we'll take your kid away for child abuse if you don't embrace this transgender crap. Um, but there are people within that community, that advocacy community, advocating for that. And so when you see what California has done and you see what New Jersey's done, and there are many more states beyond that, in pushing that direction, it's not a leap to get to the point where if you're a parent of a 14 or 15-year-old girl who's got herself caught up in this new social dis- contagion of uh, gender dysphoria, and you say, I'm going to let them grow out of it. I'm not going to transition that kid. And we're talking about in those states and many others, they're giving 14-year-old girls testosterone shots and double mastectomies, what they call top surgery, to remove their breasts in the name of trying to support and be progressive on this issue. And it's, it's just child abuse, and that's all there is to it. You do that to those girls, they can no longer have children. They end up with cancers, ovarian and, and, uh, and uterine, uterine cancers mm-hmm. due to the introduction of those synthetic hormones. It's, it's an atrocity, man. And uh, my whole thing is just wait till they're 18, dude. Wait till they're 18. If, if a kid at 14 says they're transgender. Fine. Well, when you're an adult, you listen, can make that decision. I don't, even, I don't even care. You want to let your kid change the way they dress, call them by a different name. Dude, whatever. But you can't physically alter that kid until they're an adult. Because something like eight or nine times out of 10, they change their mind. You know, or they just end up gay and they're glad they never physically mutilated themselves. Right. But but these doctors and psychiatrists are insisting, no, it's child abuse to not go to this extreme step of intervening in your child's biology. It's insanity, man. It's child abuse. And if they're willing to do that, then we're only a day. You know, we're only a few years removed from states beginning to say, we'll take your kid from you if you don't embrace this. And um if you need to know where I stand on that, go back to episode two. Absolutely. Right. Well, let's, we'll dive into that in more detail coming up here in the near future. That's going to do it for episode nine of Justified Pursuit. For Chisholm Cook, I'm Cable Smith. We'll see you guys next time.